Welcome to Other You, a podcast where we discuss a decision in our lives that may or may not have had a long-lasting impact. We unpack some of the factors behind it and then explore in short story form what the other version of ourselves might have experienced around that time or shortly thereafter. I'm your host, Dee. Let's see where this story takes us. Welcome back to another episode of Other You. I'm your host, D. Today on the show, I have with me someone who's on the board of several nonprofits, one of which is called Wabash Lights, another is called Infinite Chance, where um, they help children in Guatemala and elevate their uh, education experience. Uh, she has been a part of art galleries in and around the Chicagoland area for the last decade. Her name is Jenny Button. Welcome to the show, Jenny Button. Hi, thanks for having me. Hey, you know what? So glad to have you. So glad to have you. Uh, yeah, so we, you and I got connected because you grew up um, friends with my wife, right? I did, yeah. Yeah, you guys were competitive swimmers or? Competitive swimmers. Right, yeah. How, do, how did that go for you, swimming? Uh, well, I'm not swimming competitively anymore. No? <laughs> but <laughs> what? It was, I mean, it was, it was one of those sports that I actually got forced into because uh, soccer was so rough on my knees. And it was gotcha. kind of the, like the last resort of what I could still do. Right. Um, and I loved it. Oh, fun. Fun. Yeah. So you are one of the founding members of Vine Collaborative, right? You guys, mm-hmm. your tagline is dreamers, thinkers, and doers. Um, how did, how did, how did you get into that? Um, you know, it was interesting. It was kind of almost like out of necessity. Try, I think a lot of people made, um, you know, the shifts they needed to in this environment uh, as the world is completely different than it was um, this time two years ago. So just trying to figure that out and make a shift. Um, I left the arts when I left Chicago, essentially, and just mm. trying to figure out how to apply that to my skill set that I had from a variety of careers, trying to apply that to something that could make me money. Right. Um, and I was talking to my my sister, and she had recently um, been let go from her job because of layoffs. Hmm. And she was a global events coordinator. And we just started talking about these skills that we had and kind of um, these holes that we saw and voids that we could fill with our skills. And we just decided, man, let's create a digital agency. You know, we've got marketing experience. I can build websites. We do graphic design. Uh, virtual events have been a thing for us with fundraisers. Oh, good. Um, wow. it's been really, it's been a really cool journey so far. It's not what I thought I'd be doing, mm-hmm. but I, it's interesting. I've each chapter of my life feels like a very complete <laughs> close <laughs> book and, on to yeah. the next. and we're just starting this book now. It's wow. exciting. Awesome. You know, as somebody who uh, has worked in the arts for so long, uh, were you not able to make a living with exposure? Cause I hear a lot of people really want to pay for art and services with exposure. Didn't. What was your experience? <laughs> yeah, um, it's so funny because that. my rent, my landlord didn't accept exposure as uh, rent. Oh, it's so that strange. That barter didn't check out. Um, oh, man. Disclaimer to the rest of the world, not many landlords do accept um, accolades as rent. So, um, no, yeah, that didn't work. <laughs> and that's like a very common, um, man, we run into that so much in the art world. Right? It's such a common thing to run into. Um, I actually went to acting school. Oh, and when okay. I graduated from theater school from Ohio University, um, I was just trying to figure out, like, what am I going to do? I was in this conservatory with 16 different students, um, and we we studied everything together. We traveled through these classes. It was a really intensive acting program, but, like, 
not a whole lot of business or life management skills. Mm, so I came yeah. out and I was like, look at me, I've taken mime classes and I've taken all these other things and like, who wants me world? But I like, I had no idea how to sell myself. Right, um, yeah. And I had these friends coming to me and they'd be like, hey, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know how to do this with my art and I don't know how to do this with my career. And for me, seeing what they were doing, it made so much sense. And it was like, well, this is what you need to do. And right. like the marketing spin on it made so much sense. But for some reason, it's such a weird thing to apply that to yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I found this niche where I was helping out my friends and I was like, man, y'all got to pay me for, <laughs> for some yeah. So I started seeing that I could like do some <laughs> consulting. And I was kind of doing that on the side while I was working at SDI, which is um, System Development Integration in mm. Chicago. It was actually the reason I moved to Chicago. Okay. Um, one of the reasons I moved to Chicago mm -hmm. uh, was for this job. And, you know, it just got to a point where it, it was a very corporate job. It got to the point where I just, I didn't feel like I was adding value anymore. And okay. when it gets to that point, like, what am I doing here? I mean, mm. I was collecting a nice paycheck. That sure. was great, but it just wasn't feeding my soul. Mm. Um, and so I left that job and was trying to figure out like what next. Um, and it just started taking me down some really interesting points in my life. Hmm. Okay. Right on, right on. Cool beans. So um, let's go ahead and get right into your decision then. Um, hit, hit us, hit us with that decision or that moment in your life where you can see some effects of change. The, the actual decision, um, man, it was almost like really like finding my confidence was a big part of this decision, a big part of what made it happen. But as I said, when I left, um, the corporate world and trying to figure out what I was going to do and where I fit and knowing I wanted this return to a creative um, lifestyle and having more of a creative career path. Mm -hmm. I was trying to figure it out. And, you know, we spent a lot of time going to art galleries. I was like obsessed with street art when I lived in Cincinnati, or Cincinnati and then in mm -hmm. Chicago, I would walk everywhere um, and just see the art. And I collected a bunch. And when we got to Chicago, we found this gallery that we loved, Maxwell Collette Gallery. Mm -hmm. And one time we'd walked in and I met Oliver, who was the gallery director and owner. Mm -hmm. And I said to him, Hey, who's your, who's your gallery director? And he was like, well, I'm the owner. And I said, well, but who's your gallery director? And he said, well, it's me. And I said, Oh, so you don't have a, you don't have a proper gallery director. And he's like, who, who the hell are you? Like, what, are, <laughs> what are you doing? Uh -huh. And I said, well, I'm Jenny button and I'm going to be your gallery director. Um, you know, didn't have a whole lot of experience mm -hmm. as a gallery director, but I had at the time I had been dating, a man who had owned an art gallery when we were in Cincinnati and I just spent, a, I was able, I was working in a, as a model at the time. So I was able to really spend a lot of time at the gallery. Okay. Um, just learned, just took in as much as I could about mm -hmm. it, about the process, about um, yeah. running an exhibition, about bringing in the artists, about everything that I could. So I really felt like I knew my shit. And okay. when I went in and told Oliver that I was going to be his gallery director, he was um, <laughs> obviously taken aback a little sure, bit and sure. didn't know what to expect. Uh, and we started talking and it really, it got to the point where he was like, man, I know that you know what you're talking about, but you're still coming to me with zero experience asking me for like the top level position <laughs> in the gallery. <laughs> yeah. So I said, you know what, let me work for you for free. Let me work for you for free 
for, and I don't even remember what the amount of time was that we decided on, but mm -hmm. I said, if you're happy and you think that I'm doing work that's worthy of this position and that I'm adding value to your gallery, you can hire me as your gallery director. And within a couple of weeks, I had the job. Nice. Wow. Yeah. So, so you staged for a couple of weeks as gallery director. <laughs> wow. Okay. So, so the decision is um, deciding to walk into that gallery and take that, like create that and job for yourself, essentially. Yeah. Taking that leap and making an opportunity for myself because I hadn't found one that I was happy with. Um, and I didn't find anything that I was like, yeah, this is where I want to see myself. So it was really just finding the confidence and making it happen. Okay. Okay. All right. So you said you were in, um, like a period of finding your confidence in life. Uh, what, what kind of motivated that? What was the catalyst for you to decide to like, oh, you know what? I need to, I need to discover more of who I am so that I'm more confident in me. Um, well, I'm a cancer, so I'm always okay. like doing a lot of um, inner reflection and just trying to figure out why things are the way they are and how I can make things better, um, especially myself and how to work on myself as a person and how to get myself to the next level. And I just felt like, like I said, if I, if I feel like I'm not adding value mm -hmm. in a relationship, in a job, um, in whatever it may be that I'm doing, I'm not needed anymore. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to find that place where I was needed. Okay. Okay. This is right after you left <laughs> SDI. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so you, you moved to Chicago to work at SDI and then you left SDI while in Chicago. And then that's when you found, okay. I did. And that's when I went to Maxwell Colette gallery. And then from there, it just really, um, kind of jumpstarted my career. I went from Maxwell Colette gallery. I went to design cloud, which was a cool co-working space. It was a short lived co-working space for creatives mm -hmm. with a gallery, um, and a really great artist residency program. So I was helping out with that. Um, and then I went to Matthew Rockman Gallery, and mm -hmm. I helped him open his gallery and shape his entire art program, which was fantastic and a really amazing experience. And Matt's a wonderful human. Um, and I was also on the Wabash Arts Corridor, which is the right. um, all of the murals in downtown Chicago. Uh, for anyone who's been down there, there's massive murals all along State Street and kind of in that central Chicago loop. Um, all based around Columbia College. Uh, mm -hmm. It was a program run through Columbia College, the WAC. Right. It's the Wabash Arts Corridor. And I helped to curate and to produce, um, God, we put up like 23 murals in 24 months um, wow. from artists from all over the world, really massive murals in wow. a city where we only get, remember, like five months. Of, yeah, like, yeah. Well, out of our time. Wow. So it was, it was a very cool uh, project to be a part of. Nice. Nice. Awesome. Okay, so this was then about like 10-ish years ago? This was, oh, so the WAC was 2015 through 2017. I was involved in the Wabash Arts Corridor. Okay. Um, no, I mean yeah. the, the decision, like to going, uh, the into, decision. Yeah, going into that first gallery. Came, yeah, it was right about nine years ago. I left okay. SDI okay. in 2012. Okay. And had, you know, a period of downtime where I was figuring myself out sure. and uh, wandered into the gallery. Nice. Okay. Um, so then let's find out about who you were at the time. Tell me about your, 
what was your family life like at the time? You have siblings. So I know you at Vine Collaborative, it's you and your sister and then another partner. Uh, mm -hmm. Is it just you two? Do you have other siblings? Uh, we have one other brother, Chuck. He's my older brother. Okay. Um, Jess is my younger sister, which puts me in the middle. What's up, middle child? How you doing? Uh, um, <laughs> I have a close relationship with my family. My parents live right down the street from me now. Um, nice. I'm actually living in, in the property they have, helping them fix it up. So I have a really close relationship with my parents. They live right down the road. Mm -hmm. um, they've always been super supportive. Awesome. Cool. Uh, were you uh, you and your siblings, were you guys close growing up? or? We were close-ish. My sister and I are very close. Um, we were we actually were not that close growing up. We fought a lot. Yeah. <laughs> She's about three and a half, four years younger than me. Mm. Um, and we fought a lot. And then I would say it was around... Um, college when I really started getting a relationship with her. Wow. And it's awesome. Yeah. That's a, so there, there are five of us in, in my family. Oh my yeah. Um, and like, so the, the ages from the first to the fifth, there is a 10 year difference. And so we weren't mm. really friends, you know, growing up, we weren't really friends. Uh, but then like later on into my thirties, we all like started to come around and, hang out and, you know, develop friendships. And then now with the, the, with the pandemic over the last year, we are actually having like regular family calls. And so we're, we've, we've gotten way closer than we ever have been, which I think is hilarious. As a it's bunch, cool. As a it's kind of, of a um, really interesting phenomenon. Like mm -hmm. the relationships that I see, like that I feel like I've just completely stepped out of. Yeah. And then the ones have become like so solid. Yeah. Yeah. It's a trip. It's a trip. Where do you fall in the in the line of siblings? Also the middle. Uh -huh. Yeah, two older, two younger. What's up? All right. Yeah. Um. So, uh, tell me, did you you grew up as a competitive swimmer, and you did that because soccer was too hard on your knees? Did you have hobbies? Did swimming persist? Was that a hobby that you kept, or did you develop other hobbies? What hobbies did you have at around it, like at in 2012? Um. Man, I wish swimming was something that I kept up with. No. Um, 2012, Jenny, 2012, Jenny was like, it was an interesting place. I, uh, the company SDI was actually really great. They had a great wellness program, employee wellness program. Okay. And I was running that, um, you know, I've, I've been vegetarian most of my life, mm -hmm. vegan for a large chunk of it. And they were just really, um, into like, they offered a employee benefit program with like a gym membership at David Barton and different things. So I was, oh, nice. I was. I thought I was like living my best life and being really healthy. But when I stepped away from that career, I realized kind of how unhealthy I was and the mm. things that I was ignoring in my life and in okay. my relationship at the time. Okay. Um, so it was a really interesting thing to see from almost like stepping back and looking at it, which I, I didn't have the ability to do before when I was in the corporate job. Right. Wow. Okay. Okay. Uh, but and then, you about hobbies. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, my hobbies, I mean, I hate to say this were like work at the time, you know, yeah. I did so much. I, part of my job was to travel. I had, okay. um, I had LA Virgin islands. Um, there were several different places that I had to my clients around, around the country, mm -hmm. um, extended, but 
Yeah, it was, I don't think I was in a really good place mentally. I mean, I had like my, you know, I, I, I read and I would go snowboarding when I could and do like little things like that. But I just, I don't think I was really in a place where I was honoring myself. Gotcha. Okay. Wow. Alrighty. Uh, and then you, um, you, you have a couple pets or. I have. 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 have dog and i have three teeny tiny baby fish and wow. two snails nice and i have i had a bunny who recently passed away right. but him and my dog were best friends and did, it was adorable did you have the bunny back then did you get the bunny back in i, I don't know how long like rabbits live yeah it's a it's a weird mixed bag so he i didn't like get him from a pet shop i actually got him from a butcher shop um, because like I said, I'm like a bleeding heart vegan. So I was walking by and we locked eyes and it was just over and I had to buy him by the pound and take him home. Um, and so he, hold on, they're hold not on. Obviously, you, yeah. you, you rescued somebody's dinner from a butcher shop. Yeah, I did. I, I rescued dinner. That's a good way to put it. That's I did. amazing. Um, that, that's incredible. I, in, I love that story. Yeah, and I'm like breaking down like a hysteric white girl. I'm like, oh my God. And I called my boyfriend. And I was like, they're murdering bunnies. And he's like, what is going on? So I brought him and I brought him home. And for the Aww. first like two years of his life, he just like hated everyone. He hated everything. He that's bit fair. me. He scratched me. It was miserable. Um, and this was in 2016 that I got him. Okay. And then I, I would say it was just like the past two years that he became just like a really lovable, wonderful little pet. Um, and then unfortunately his health went downhill. And once they get sick, it's really hard to turn around with buns. Mm. But, uh, you know, he was a good one. He gave us a lot of, a lot of good times. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. I was kind of, I was kind of hoping you had that bunny back then. Cause I wanted to, mm. to play around with that story. That's so funny. I had bunnies growing up and never yeah. thought I would have a rabbit in my adult human life, but here we are. Yeah. Uh, what music were you into at the time? Um, music at the time, 2012, I would say kind of like the same bag of music that I listen to now with um, maybe the exception of like a little heavier stuff. Okay. Um, but I, I was, I listened to like, Joseph Arthur and me without you and why with a question mark um, is some of like the more chill stuff that I was listening to. But I would still say like in 2012, I probably still had like some leftover from like, um, I used to listen to a lot of hardcore and punk rock when I was growing up. Nice. And I would still say there was like a good mix of that in there. Okay. And every once in a while, um, you know, I'll throw on like, like, uh, a Norma Jean or like a Bane or like a, nice. a hardcore album. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I love it. But my um, current partner is not. <laughs> so I don't <laughs> listen to it as often when he's around, but um, every once in a while, like in the car or something. Gotcha. But for the most part, I listen to a lot of chill music now because sure. I'm a much more chill human being than I was. <laughs> in 2012. Okay. Oh, that's good to know. Uh, mm -hmm. Tell me, uh, open that up just a little bit more. Um, you were less of a chill person. What made you, were, did you feel like you were wound uh, pretty uptight or were you super motivated and so aggressive to people around you? What, what does it mean to be more chill? Uh, I think I honestly, like, I would love to say like, yeah, it was all about um, my, my work and everything, but no, I was like a wild, I, I had a wild streak. Mm, um, growing cool. up, I was like a, I was a cannon. I was nuts. Um, and then into when I 
I would say like well into my adult, my, you know, young adult years, I struggled um, with drinking and issues around that and just like general excess. Um, I'm not really like being the middle child. It's funny because I don't have a whole lot of middle ground. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm one extreme or the other. Yeah. So I was like hardcore straight edge. And then I was like hardcore drunk all the time. And like, there was no, (laughs) so I've, you know, it's just kind of coming into yourself and finding, I think so much of like my problem with drugs and alcohol was stemmed from social anxiety. And I didn't realize that because like as an actress, you're like, oh my God, it's like, I'm super outgoing. And it's like, no, I'm actually like kind of a bundle of nerves often. And I was like, numbing that down to be able to really, I always felt like I had to maybe perform Mm -hmm. when I'm meeting people. And like, I had to be on point all the time. I don't really let myself slip in public settings. So there was a lot of pressure there. But um, yeah, I think I've just generally like grown up a lot yeah. <laughs> in the past 10 years. Okay. Okay. I can dig that. That's good to know. Yeah. It's funny. Um, I've had this uh, talk with Stephanie um, about uh, the idea of all the insecurities that um, performers and actors deal with and how it is like, it's our job to pretend to be someone else. And so we get really good practice at, uh, suppressing those, you know, like feelings to embody something else. Right. Um, there's a, there's an actor, his name is Michael Rosenbaum. He has a podcast called inside of you and he brings on actors and it's like, he takes a portion of every episode to talk about like mental health. And so he asks them, whomever is his guest about, you know, the, tell me like, tell me about your anxiety tell me about this and like dealing with, you know, like, Hey, let's, this is a thing that we all deal with. Like, let's be honest. So let's talk about it sort of thing. And it's, it's, it's fantastic. Um, but yeah, That's it's, awesome. it's such a trip, you know, the, like the most outgoing and extroverted seem like seemingly most outgoing and extroverted people tend to often be, especially in, in the acting world, very, very self-conscious and very anxiety. It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. You know, and it's funny because you said, um, your choice of words was it something we all deal with and i would like disagree with that statement to the point that it's something that some of us actually deal with the rest mm. of us just go on floundering Ignore. trying to figure shit out yeah. and it takes so long to kind of develop that self-aware i mean it took me a while to figure out like oh this is anxiety yeah <laughs> oh, that's why i feel like this like yeah. i don't have to be stoned all the time that's anxiety i can yeah. just work through this but it really took like a, a while to kind of come into that and find myself. You know, it's Mm -hmm. one of those things. My sister had a really high pressure job with the um, international conferences that she was planning and everything. And I remember just telling her one time, I was going through a um, depressive episode and I was telling her something along the lines of like, I'm trying to figure shit out, but it just feels like everyone around me isn't really happy either. And she was like, what are you talking about? I'm happy. I'm so happy. And I was like, really? And it kind of made me stop and be like, oh shit. Am I wrong? Is everybody really happy and I'm wrong? And then it was just, it was after she left her job. I want to say it was like three months later. She was like, Jen, I can't stop thinking about when you said that. I had no idea how unhappy I was. Mm -hmm. And I was just like filling it with work and all these other things. And she's since been like going to therapy and like trying to figure herself out as well. And it's so cool to be able to witness her transformation. Yeah. Yeah. It's so... I think we're not really allowed to be sad or unhappy when we have like 
in quotes, all of the things that we're supposed to have, right? We're securing yeah. a job. Uh, we're not dealing with hunger. We're not dealing with lack of shelter. So we're supposed to be grateful, right? But there's a, there can be this measure of dissatisfaction with, you know, where we are and what we're doing, even like the job that we have, even though it, it might be a great job, it's paying us really well. We're just not satisfied there. So we're not allowed to be unhappy because yeah. no, you have, you, you should be so grateful. Look at all the people that don't have, you know, despite all of, exactly. you know, our inner workings and what we actually need to feel fulfilled and to grow as humans and such. Yeah. Kind of a slanted perspective because you can always look at it and be like, man, things are bad right now. But when you look at it outside of it and go, well, it could be so much worse. Yeah. It's almost like, look, just pack it up and move on. Yeah. But, yeah. It's like, oh, you're right. I should not be having yeah. any emotional reaction to my life. <laughs> Thank you. We should Thank allow you. ourselves to suffer and all of our feelings are legitimate. And mm -hmm. yeah, I just need to sit with that sometimes, especially males. That's really tough. Oh yeah. 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 Oh, that's, that's one of my favorite conversations, um, with people about how, uh, men are, we're allowed to f like experience three, just, just like three emotions, um, frustration or like anger, um, a, a very tapered measurement of happiness and jealousy. Mm. And those are like the only three like real emotions Accepted. that are acceptable. Yeah. You know, yeah. which, bad. which I think is, is, is hilarious, you know? Um, but it's, it's yeah. So, oh man. So at, at that time you just left your job. Um, you walk into this gallery. Did you have, before you walked in, did you have a, um, an idea or a projection for where you wanted to be in the next few years starting then? Or were you just like, no, I, this is something that I'm familiar with. I want to do this. I'm going to walk in here and just see what's happening right now. You know, I should preface this with, I don't know if this is really a good thing, but I've got this view of everything in the world just being so impermanent. Okay. Um, and so I don't look at it as like, this is my thing. It's like, this is my thing that I'm going to do as long as I can do it well and add value. And then this is the thing that's going to get me to the next thing. Gotcha. Okay. And I'm always just looking like, how can I get to the next place and how can I um, be better at, at just doing life. Like, how can I do this better? Um, and it might be part of the reason why I have just worked for myself for the past several years, because that's something employers <laughs> love to hear. Yeah. But, um, you know, I just think, I, I think that it's important to grow as people constantly. Okay. Important to grow. All right. So you didn't have necessarily like that long-term plan that you were working toward. It's, um, your, your I don't idea. Know if I have any long term plan. <laughs> okay, so uh, I would I would say then the long term plan that you have is like uh, ambiguous, but it's streamlined in you want to be continually progressing, like as a human, right? Getting better, be adding value, being productive, yeah. all of that, and how that kind of falls together can that that can change. Yeah, I that's that's what I totally believe. I think that you know. Like I said, things are impermanent. Situations change. Mm -hmm. If anything, 2020 has taught us all that. Um, and I, I just, as long as I can stay grounded and mm -hmm. continue to move forward as a person, it doesn't really matter where I am or what I'm doing. I also, like, 
I've learned a lot throughout the careers just out of necessity. You know, one of the things working in a gallery, you're mm. a staff of two right. to four people to run a, a small business. Um, Matthew Rockman Gallery really being an exception, an exceptional one because there were four of us, which was like a large staff for this gallery, but there were wow. online sales. There were so many different facets. Um, it was a furniture store, mid-century modern, like really high-end furniture. So there were so many different facets. So I did have a support team, but I think that, you know, at the beginning I didn't. And I think one of the biggest things is just like, what's your problem? Let me figure out how to fix it. And that's something that I've always been able to take on is like, you know, I taught myself how to do Photoshop. I taught myself how to do video editing. I taught myself everything that I could just by watching videos, learning tutorials, um, mm -hmm. getting as far into it as I could until I had to ask for help or, you know, study elsewhere, right. but really just trying to grow on my own. Right. Wow. Okay. Did you answer your questions or am I giving you like really lofty answers? No, <laughs> like, this is a little bit more abstract, which I think is great. Um, and, and it's, it's on brand for talking with someone who's dealt with art so intimately for the last several years, yeah. you know, um, especially with the, like the idea of the, um, the ever changing canvas, right? So you did murals, uh, you, there were online sales you were talking about. So like, there's a whole bunch of stuff that, you know, could be a canvas for producing art. And so I think, um, what's fun is this kind of illustrates how, um, we can embody the things that we do and the things that we love. Um, and even if you couldn't realize it back in 2012, um, this is probably part, a lot of who you were growing up and who you stepped into. And then like finding this gallery then kind of was the catalyst for you to fully live out the idea of being this, this canvas of, you know, this ever changing canvas to constantly rebuild yourself so that you're growing uh, as a person and add like maintaining a measure of, of value that you can add building yeah. on your knowledge, learning all the things that you said and so on and so forth. So yeah, I, this you know, is it's great. funny. And, and I feel like, um, when you asked me about like my overarching plan, like I, I, I don't know why I'm so opposed to pl big plans like <laughs> the, you know, but for me, it's like, I guess I just like to keep my possibilities open. I yeah. like to know that there can always be something like if I had chosen a career early, like if I'd stuck with acting this whole time there, I wouldn't have done a lot of the other things that I've been able to achieve with my life and my career. Right. Um, I don't, I don't want to be pigeonholed into anything. Like mm -hmm. that's why when people ask me my role at the company, like, are you a web designer? I, I what do you need done? <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. I, I have maintained that kind of mindset throughout life. The idea of, um, I don't want to get, stuck but i mean i think I, I also learned a long time ago that i am willing to walk away from things yeah. no matter how well they're going i'm willing to walk away because i like the idea of just getting up and going uh, i tell people that until i was like in my late 20s i feel like i operated with like this super vagabond mindset where i wasn't wow rooted anywhere. I wasn't attached to anything. I like my family was living in Chicago. So as I was, you know, traveling, exploring and living, I would bounce back to Chicago, you know, but otherwise I was like, you know, I'm, I'm willing to go anywhere. I'll, I'll, Did you I'll always want to be the new kid at school when you were growing up? No, like I don't know. I mean, there was a, there was a measure of the, 
the magic of the on-screen high school that I was always interested in because I went to a grade school where there were like 12 people in my uh, graduating class of grade school and then moving on to high school. Um, I went to the largest, like the most populated school under one roof in the country. So it was like, it was this major drastic change. So I think I was so wrapped up in that, that I was, I, I feel like I missed out on all of the, the movie high school experiences where, you know, there are those class systems that people actually care about, you know, um, and all It's of completely different dynamic. I mean, my graduating class size was 211 kids. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's so my, my graduating class was about a thousand. There are about a thousand of them. Yeah. At my Um, senior luncheon, I met people that had gone to the same school that I did for four years that I had never seen before in my life. Ever. That's bananas. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, where did you transfer from? Nowhere, dummy. I've I've been at this school. (laughs) I was like, what? Yeah. So, yeah. So it's, yeah, I don't think I ever like wanted to be the new kid, but I mean, I like circling back, I, I love the idea of, just being able to get up and go and go, you know? Yeah. So I I like that. Um, one more quick question. Did you, did you have hopes and dreams for yourself? And this kind of goes with the like projection, but I think the, the idea of projection is where did you practically see yourself? And then this question is more, what, what vision did you have for yourself? Like what, what was your ceiling? What's, what's your outer space? If you're shooting for the stars, 2012 Jenny or 2021 Jenny 2012 2012 yeah um you know it's funny because I um at when I started in SDI I there was part of me that was like oh damn this is gonna be like this is a career like this is like a real job Mm -hmm. Um, and I saw myself like just moving up the ranks there and by the time I left I was just like screaming to get back into the arts and Mm -hmm. to immerse myself in a creative, um, creative surroundings. And I think my, my goal for my, myself was just to really find happiness and get back to, um, a place where I could be comfortable. And, you know, it's also, there's a level of like, I feel like when you're a creative person, you enter a corporate world, there's a level of like fraud that you kind of feel. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to feel like my authentic self as well. And Mm -hmm. like really be putting that forward and have that reflected and like have people recognize that. I don't feel like I was a version of the authentic self. Like I feel like if people from my past life met me today, they'd be like, what the fuck happened to Jenny? (laughs) (laughs) Jenny. a different version of me. I was acting for two years. Right. Um, you know, I'm just, that was my goal was to get to a place where I could be, be comfortable and like have that fit into my lifestyle. And I feel like, um, I've done that. You know, there's, there's a struggle. There's always a struggle when you get back into a creative world and you're not depending on that paycheck and you've got to like really turn on your hustle. Yeah. Um, so there's always stress that comes along with that, but like, I couldn't trade it. If someone came to me tomorrow and you know, I'm even owning this business we're there's still, we've got to pick things up. We've always Mm -hmm. got to do things to try to feed three people, three families. Um, So someone came to me tomorrow and offered me a massive position. I don't know that I could take it. Hmm. Um, I think I'd still do the struggle for a little bit longer just to not have to like do the proverbial selling of the soul, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a trip like having to weigh 
the um, the pursuits of your heart versus what your mind is telling you is the better option, you know? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I used to think that being taken care of means like I can pay all my bills. I can buy anything I need to. I can, you know, feed Mm -hmm. myself the way I need to feed myself. But I feel like being taken care of to me now is really like being content in my surroundings. Sometimes I can't always pay the bills, you know, sometimes I can't just buy the things I want. I'm, you know, I'm still trying to start this business. And I was like, um, we, we literally just started this like six months ago. So we're still trying to, you know, work to a place where we're going to be really successful. But, Mm -hmm. you know, we've had that conversation between the three of us that we don't want to turn into a production house either. I never intend to take on jobs that don't genuinely interest me. I really have enjoyed the clients that we've worked with. I've enjoyed every project that we've worked on so far. Mm -hmm. I don't want to just pump out like soulless work and websites that are just kind of basic. Wow. Okay. How long did it take to kind of finalize from, let's say from 2012 until now, how long did it take for you to finalize um, your position on who you are insofar as what you just said, where you're like, okay, no, I think I'm going to be in this, in this moment here. And even if I'm offered this massive spot, I, I, I want to see this through, even if, if it means this is a bit of a struggle. I think it's been, you know, it's, it's an, it's day by day. It's every day. It, it, I get closer to where I want to be. Um, and sometimes we take steps back, you know, mm-hmm. I think that's just like the natural progression or transgression of things. Right. I think that, um, I think leaving a large paycheck and like, I guess that was the first time that I could say that I like really, I mean, I was broke as shit in college. We all were, but I could say that that was the first time that I like really struggled because at the same time that I left that job and that large paycheck, I left um, my, uh, at the time, fiance who, Mm -hmm. you know, we had been together for a while. We moved to Chicago together. there was so much uncertainty. That was a really tough time for me. Um, I lost a ton of weight. I just Mm. was like not healthy. Um, as a human, I wasn't functioning the way that I wanted to be. Um, I just felt myself really slipping at all Mm. places. And I think that year, um, was really 2013 was like a a turning point for me. Therapy, therapy a lot. (laughs) Okay. So (laughs) 2013 was a major, major yeah. okay so about that 2013 is also when i got back into therapy gotcha okay so therapy let's make a note of that um i will say one thing that i find to be interesting is um the vilification of contentment right mm. uh especially being in america you're not allowed to be content with where you are with what you have we are admonished to always dream bigger, always do more, always acquire more, always earn more. Um, and one of the one of the things that I have cho- like had to choose for myself was, um, and this is especially being an actor in Chicago. Um, I knew that I was never going to be a lead in a like major film or a lead in a major TV show or anything like that. Uh, so I chose to be content with what I could get here, uh, as long as I could, I could pay my bills and not live on the street. I was content. Um, but also at the same time, always having to kind of battle against the idea of, of being content. Like, no, don't you want more? Aren't you going to move to New York? Aren't you going to move to LA? Don't you want to be rich? It's like, 
for what? You know, I'm, 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 I think I'm okay. Especially having gone through all those years of being a quote unquote vagabond where, you know, I didn't have a permanent residence and I was just bouncing everywhere I could. Um, I'm like, I was okay with that, you know, and it, it having the conversations with people of, you know, all the ways I was doing it wrong because I needed to want more. I needed to like strive for and push for and hustle for more, you know, just maybe to fill my house with more toys or to have a better car or to have nicer clothes or this, that, and the other. So uh, the, the vilification of contentment, I think is a very interesting thing. It so, is interesting. You know, we were just talking about how we literally, I had this discussion with my partner yesterday about, he was like, you know, capitalism is actually great in theory. And I was like, yeah, in theory it is, but it's like the unended, like never, we're mm-hmm. never going to stop. We're just going to keep going. That's like destroying people. It's destroying yeah. our environment. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that level of like, I can never be like my thirst, thirst can never be quenched is like a, it's kind of a dangerous thing. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. I mean, it's good. It's a, it's, it's good for drive to mm-hmm. a certain extent, but I think, I don't think you're ever going to be happy if you can't see yourself happy. If you can't envision that, it's going right. to be really hard to get there. Yeah. Because if, if we're all destined to be millionaires and your happiness lies in the, the success of that vision, um, we're just going to be disappointed, especially like how many crotchety old people are upset that they never hit their you know, million. They never got their million. So they're failures in this life instead of finding a measure of happiness and joy in who they are and their contentment along the journey. Um, so I just, and I could have stayed at SDI and I could have been making a lot of money. Yeah. I could have been working at paychecks and, you know, mm-hmm. things could have been, yeah. but ultimately I think I'm in a better place. Right on, right on. And, and for those of you listening that have really great jobs that make a lot of money and you're content, cool, good for you. I'm just talking about how many totally. of us are, you know, being like conditioned to never have enough, you know, so right on. So I think we have enough to write a story. I think I have a couple like really good um, like things that you said that I can incorporate into this. I think this will be a a fun and interesting story for other Jenny. Um, but for right now, what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. We're going to listen to a little bit of music. And when we come back, I will read the story called other Jenny, and then we'll talk about it. Stick around.
Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that little musical break. Uh, right now, I'd like to reiterate to my lovely guest. It is Jenny Button. And if you'd like to follow along with what she's uh, up to, you can fo- uh, follow Vine Collaborative on Instagram at Vine Collaborative. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. And also, one of the boards on which she sits is uh, Infinite Chance. And so if you'd like to follow Infinite Chance on Instagram as well, it is at Infinite Chance underscore Guatemala. Infinite Chance underscore Guatemala. And you can follow yes. along with Thank you. some of that. But for right now, we're going to get right into the story. You ready, Jenny? I am. I'm excited. Awesome. Excellent. Okay. So here comes Other Jenny. Other Jenny sits motionless in the dark at the center of her quaint apartment's living room. Streetlights reach in through the windows with desperate attempts to silence the cries of the darkness as they cover the room. The quiet therein is interrupted every few moments with the sounds of Other Jenny drawing in deep breaths through her mouth and then holding before letting them slowly wheeze from her nostrils. The room is not spinning. You are still. It's okay, she comforts herself, eager to maintain control over her faculties. She struggles against fatigue to keep her eyes open, maintaining close tabs on the waning light from the lamps outside that bathe the streets below in a warm orange hue. Other Jenny with white knuckles braces the side of the small Eames fiberglass chair. The seat creaks beneath her grip. The room is still for a moment. As in the eye of a storm, the room is calm. Her breathing settles and the room is filled with light. She stands a little unsteady and makes her way to her bed for the rest of the night. A soft electronic hum dances rhythmically over the blaring of Other Jenny's two alarm clocks. The early morning light waits patiently beyond the horizon. The black of night gives way to an orange dot far in the distance. Other Jenny sits briefly before moving across her room and poking her head out the window to watch as the sun climbs from beyond the depths to take its place in the sky. She enjoys the vista for a time before getting ready for the day and heading off to work. Other Jenny toes the carpeting beneath her office chair at her desk. The soft crackle of building static tickles her toes and amuses her as she watches the small hairs on her arm stand. What are you doing? Other Jenny asks herself. Softly responding, she says, obviously, I'm wasting my time. This is the first time she said this, either in her thoughts or with her lips. Resolute, she slips her flats onto her feet, pushes back from the desk, grabs her belongings, and heads out the front door. She slings her bag over her shoulder and quickly maps her route home. 4.4 miles. That's not so bad. I'm not going to wait for an Uber. They take forever. Besides, I have these two legs and they can take me anywhere. Stirring up confidence within her, she heads out down the road with long, intentional strides. Her head on a swivel, she watches the people making their way to and from work, shops, home. She listens to the sounds of the street, the honking, the squeaky brakes, the dings of the bells on the doors of the shops along the road. As she rounds a corner, the air is filled with the smells of chocolate and she can taste its goodness as she bounds past the factory. Along the way, she reaches into her bag and retrieves her iPhone 4S. Hey Siri, call sis. Calling Sebastian. No, stop. Hang up. Hang up. Sebastian answers. Hello. Other Jenny, what's up? Siri, hang up. I said call sis. Other Jenny shouts at her phone. Not Siri. This is Sebastian. Why you call? Hello. It confused Sebastian inquires. Hello? Yes. Why you call? This is Sebastian. The oven is not working again? Embarrassed, Other Jenny responds. I'm sorry. No, the oven is fine. I tried to call my sister, but Siri called you. I don't know Siri. This is Sebastian. Right. Yeah. Sorry. Look, have a nice day. Other Jenny quickly hangs up the phone and angrily glares at her phone, activating Siri again. She commands, hey, Siri, call 
Sis. Siri responds matter-of-factly. Hey, sis, this is fun. I don't have any siblings. Frustrated, <laughs> other Jenny shouts, oh, what the fuck? She begins <laughs> scrolling through her contacts looking for her sister's phone number. Just before finding it, she's startled by a loud horn. She looks up from her phone and notice, notices she was standing in the middle of the street. She looks up at the crosswalk sign ahead of her and, his, uh, and it is a red hand. She glances to her right to see the color of the cross street's traffic lit, a signal, green. She mouths plainly, I am so sorry, and scampers back to the sidewalk. She retrieves mm -hmm. her sister's phone number, but before she can initiate the call, she accidentally answers an incoming call. Hello, this is Sebastian. You called me, but then I hung up. The stove is okay? Oh my God, yes, the stove is fine. I called you by accident. I was trying to call my sister, now you. Okay, your, your sister, she needs help with the oven. What? <laughs> no, I tried to call my sister, but it called you by mistake. Accident, it was an accident. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm going to hang up now. Okay, bye. Okay, good. And the call ends. As quickly as her phone shows the call has ended, she clicks the call button, hoping to reach her sister. A comforting and familiar voice answers. Oh, hey, other Jenny. Exhaling in relief, other Jenny asks, Jess, obviously you called me. You know that, right? Yeah, yes, yeah. It's just been a day. I just I called my building's maintenance man trying to get Siri to call you. Then it thought I was calling it sis instead of asking it to dial my contact name sis. To be fair, I didn't realize I had you as Jess and not sis. So that might be where some of the confusion came from. Ugh, anyway, <laughs> the light changes to green. Another Jenny steps out into the street and continues her walk home. She pours out her heart to her sister as she traverses the cracked sidewalks, pothole-laden roads, and grassy shortcuts. I quit. Wow, Jay. What now? You know what? I don't know. I have a few acting friends that I've given some business advice to, so maybe that? That sounds great. I'm sorry, hon, but I have to get back to work here. I'll call you later tonight or tomorrow sometime, okay? Yeah, that's fine. Love you. She hangs up the phone and eyes the path before her. Every speck of color pops. Each advertisement reaches out to her in a new way. She can hear the murals hiding on the alley walls calling out to her. Even the stickers plastered up and down the parking signs and newspaper vending machines reach out to her mind shouting, down here, look at me. Inspired, she increased her pace and swiftly glided along the city streets making her way home. Some minutes later, other Jenny turns the key and frantically pushes the door open. Excited about possibilities, she drops her bag on the floor just inside the door and begins facing every item in her apartment that has a label, focusing each at the center of her living room, which is just beyond her kitchen. She looks intently from the center of the room at one item and tries to memorize it. As soon as she closes her eyes, it's gone, completely, as though it never existed, as though she had never seen it. Undeterred, Other Jenny heads to the liquor cabinet, a repurposed baker's rack with a set of French-style doors on the top shelf, and retrieves a small bottle of wine. Pouring a glass, she stares into the label of the wine bottle. She begins to trace the shape of the silhouette of the woman's body, sketched in wafting plumes of smoke rising from a charred tree husk. Her index finger and middle finger forming the generous hourglass figure along the lines of the label, then in the air. After a few moments, Other Jenny closes her eyes and traces the outline in her mind. It stays. She catalogs it based on the curvature of the lines and moves on to the next item. The hands on the clock tick-tock for hours as she imprints on her mind the message of every label in her apartment. With each subsequent sip from each subsequent glass of wine, her balance wavers bit by bit. The room begins to spin. She stands firm, holding tightly to her legs. The sunlight ebbs away from her towards the windows. Mesmerized, she watches as it creeps along the floor and then back again. As a gnomon, she stands at the center of the room, watching the sunlight cycle in and out for a thousand years. Hey Siri, call sis. Hello? I figured it out. 
I have just been packing myself with the wrong kind of cannonball. I found the right kind. I'm going to help people market themselves. I've been staring at the labels in my house, and I think they're all telling me a story. I filled up on the right kind of cannonball, and I am ready to fire. I thought I was burying all the things I had been wanting to do, but I wasn't doing that. I was literally trying to fill myself up, but I was, I was just shooting them away every time, exploding from inside of me. It never felt good. This time it will. I know who I am. I know the mark I want to leave on the world. I know how I want to set it on fire. There is fire? That is bad. Okay, I'm coming in a few minutes, okay, to fix the oven. Okay, Miss Other Jenny. Sebastian, damn it, Siri. <laughs> the end. I love it. I got chills a couple times. Did you? Nice. Yeah, I love it. Awesome. I'm glad. I'm glad. Yeah, that's real fun. That's a, it's, it's funny because, like, I can recognize those emotions that I've felt throughout, like, different mm. times in my life, and you yeah. paint them really beautifully. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Awesome. have you have you ever tried to tell siri to call someone and it called the wrong person no who does that happen to <laughs> yeah siri's kind of a hoe she does that kind of stuff to me all the time yeah i don't i don't mess she's gonna say something right now no she's not okay, okay. <laughs> yeah she messes with me a lot with stuff so i've just um resorted to using my own fat fingers to dial nice smart so, mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. we have a a couple uh, Google Minis in the house, and I don't and, even know what you just said. Oh, we have a couple like Google Minis, like they're oh Minis. minis. I was like, who's Google Nini? Okay, sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we have a Google Minis in the house, and uh, every now and again, just out of the blue, it'll just start talking. Uh huh. We like, have an Alexa here at the place that we're staying, and she likes to jump in on our conversation. Yeah, and it's no like literally nobody's her. talking to you. Stop it. Uh -huh. Stop it. So yeah, so that's the couple times that she acknowledges that she's been listening to your shit, right? right. Uh huh. Yeah. At, <laughs> no, at thank you. All times, a hundred percent. There was even a point where we were watching something on TV, some movie, and in the movie, um, one of the characters was like, "Hey, girl, come over here," and. The, the mini was like, actually, no, thanks. I'm a bit of a, I'm more of a homebody. And we're like, what the fuck? She responded to something in a movie we were watching the other day too. And I was like, this is creepy. But yeah. here I am with my cell phone, literally sitting inches from my face. That's fair. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. Yeah. 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 I, I really like this whole concept. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Yeah. It's, it's been a, a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Good. Um, I tried to put in in this story that you remember uh, you mentioned rather that you were um, oh let me see if I wrote down exactly what you said you were like you called yourself I was a cannon I had a wild streak I was a cannon so you mm -hmm. said during those so I wanted to to put in especially like at that time right so mm -hmm. I wanted to put in there that you know there was some of that was stirring you know up and inside you. I like that. What else, what else made you, made you reflect on the things you did? So some of the things that you mentioned about, like just coming to the point where you're like, oh, I'm like working for that company. You were just like done and mm -hmm. wanting to get into something else. Um, and so I wanted that to be, uh, I didn't want you to stay there and kind of like trudged through that. Uh, I like the idea of you dipping out. But instead of having you like find a gallery and then get into that and just take on that job, I wanted to play around with you uh, building on the idea of helping your friends uh, and go from there. And so uh, 
because for me, I romanticized the 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 type of relationship where you dealt with your own personal turmoil and that from that springs, you know, inspiration to help the people around you that are dealing with things like that, especially like insofar as marketing, you know, because of all the things that are like hustling and bustling inside, yeah. there's, you know, things that you can pick from. And then also, uh, I remember you had said that you, um, were like you were, you really enjoyed the street art, right? So your walks were about, you know, Oh, I felt that hard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> good, good, good. Yeah. So, and like, I, I too love street art. When we were on our, um, Stephanie and I were on our honeymoon, um, everywhere I could, I would stop and like take pictures of street art or just go and admire. It was really hard in Lisbon because yeah. literally Lisbon is plastered. It's like it rained one day and it rained yeah. paint. Right. There's so much that is covered in art. Um, so much. And like I, I discovered later that the prime minister of Portugal, who was at one point the mayor of Lisbon, um, while he was mayor, um, got a bunch of street artists and said, hey, beautify my town. Great. And they did. Yeah. And so it's everywhere, like all of their recycling receptacles, their trash bins, everything is just beautifully painted all over. I love when a city embraces that, because I think what people, you know, are one of our biggest argument for when we were um, putting up murals all over Chicago was talking to building owners, you know, that are really prone to getting their buildings tagged up by, Mm -hmm. um, we'll call it lesser graffiti. Yeah. yeah. Um, You know, for the most part, when you have, an amazing piece on the side of the wall. It's going to garner respect. Right. Yeah. So it really is a deterrent for graffiti. For sure. For sure. Yeah. I mean, so what, what I always found very interesting about um, graffiti artists is they're very territorial. Mm-hmm. Right. So that they're kind of like when you see just like the names and the names are like on top of each other. Right. It, it's it's like a bunch of dogs literally just peeing on the same corner. Sure. Yeah. Like, and, no, no, this you know, is mine. And, no, no, this is mine. No, no, this is mine. You know, which I well, was, there's a whole nother level when it comes to gang graffiti of mm-hmm. flipping someone's tag upside down is like the ultimate disrespect. Right. Yeah. 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 So I was I always find that interesting. What, one of the things I really always admire, it, like in as much as there's that part of me that's like, oh, that's unfortunate that this building has all of these, you know, names on it because like not all the time they're 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 not really beautifully done it's just like literally in Hmm. tag scripts the name you know but when they do it like at the top of water towers where they're climbing four stories on this you know very sketchy you know whatever and yeah that's what's so interesting about the art like in its core because like there's kids who are like willing to die to get this out yeah but at the same time you don't know who they are at this all. is like their claim to fame and mm. their like internal like you know that's their metal that they're claiming but it's it's transformed into this you know street artists have gallery shows now and they're mm. <laughs> they're hanging and there's very expensive street art that mm-hmm. you can buy yeah. Um, and it's kind of, we're really in a, one of my old gallery directors used, or gallery owners used to say it's a post graffiti phase that we live in now. Oh. And it really is, um, you know, we're no longer at a place where 
they're street artists who have never put art on the street. Right. They went straight into the gallery. World. Right. So right. interesting. Yeah. They just, they, they borrow that style. Yeah. So. And it's all commissioned murals. Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can dig that. Did you, have you ever seen the film, um, exit through the gift shop? Sure. Yeah. How, like, did, how angry did that movie make you? <laughs> Mr. Brainwash. I mean, I, I knew about him before the movie. He's such a character. Right. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. You, you got to admit there's an art to what he does in general. Yeah. So yeah, he's, he's like, more of a performance artist <laughs> to yes. me. He's like the epitome of a side hustle uh-huh. that got so lucky, you know, uh-huh. <laughs> like, and so now he's, he's on Facebook telling all of his friends and family from his small, you know, hometown, Hey, check out this side hustle and you too can be a millionaire. Right. <laughs> you know i love it yeah so that 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 movie tripped me out so hard and I, like i always had a very uh this this fondness for graffiti art growing up one of my my cousin he um so i i, I love this guy so much he's always every every time i knew him singularly focused no matter what mm-hmm. it was, he was doing, he's very singularly focused, right? So, to the point where uh, when he was learning uh, piano, he learned it in just like a few weeks because he was 12 hours wow. a day on this piano. I'm going to learn this and got really good wow. creating music. <clears throat> I learned uh, a bunch of instruments, all of it, because he's like, oh, I have a song in my head and I want to know how to play it. So oh, when he was, yeah. yeah. So when he was uh, doing um, graffiti art, watching him you know build on that improve on that sort of thing but what i always thought was fun is like he went out and found this like metal oil drum and brought it home just so he could practice on it just to mm-hmm. make sure that all of his stuff was perfect when he went out on the street and found uh homes oh, yeah. for his pieces yeah. <laughs> that's really cool you know i mean they talk you know there's tattoo artists who practice on it used to be pieces of pig flesh mm-hmm. now you can them like oranges and things which right. seems a little less disgusting to me but like <laughs> that whole idea of um that transformation i think that's been one of my honestly like my favorite parts of being in uh involved in the visual arts world is mm. to see like my friends who when i first started working with them 10 12 years ago where they've advanced to now and how it's just at a completely different place in their art and not only in the imagery, but in their skill set, but just the whole vision behind it, the ideas that are now coming across. Instead of just like drawing a simple object, now there's like an entire story behind it and they're starting to really develop that. Mm-hmm. It's been really cool to watch. Yeah. Wow. And wow. just where they've landed up now, you know, because mm-hmm. the idea of being a paid artist and just doing that is like so romantic, <laughs> but yeah. not rooted in reality in a lot of ways unfortunately but um it's very cool to see my friends who've just been able to kick ass at it and succeed yeah and they're killing it nice i've had so many different types of artists on the show um and it's always a trip to me when we talk about the the pursuit of it art and um i had a guest on and i mentioned i mentioned this in like the last episode how like their mom told them, you know, the, the chances of you being a professional artist are the same as you being a professional athlete, like mm-hmm. slim to none. Don't do it. Mm-hmm. Go get a real job sort of thing. 
Um, but I always, I always love when people are like, no, I'm, I'm going to do this anyway. And you know, what if it works? Great. What if it doesn't? Great. At least I'm, you know, doing this thing. And Stephanie and I talk all the time about the kind of like the, the pursuits and what is a valid pursuit for work. You know, does it need to be fulfilling? Do you just need to get a job to pay for things? You know, so like I, I have these like this swirl of um, what I view to be. So like if you're focused only on like, oh, I just need to pay my rent. I would say just go get a job that pays your rent. Right. And love, love the hell out of your hobbies and invest yeah. everything you can into your hobbies. Right. But if you're like, no, I, I cannot do anything but this, then do that. And, yeah. you know, <clears throat> hopefully the universe will help you figure out how to monetize it. You know, I mean, I can't hate on anyone who who needs or desires that safety net. I really can't. Like, mm -hmm. it must have been awesome to not worry about bills for the last 10 years. Cannot relate. But like, good for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, that idea of just like fucking jumping without it mm -hmm. and just seeing what happens, I think that leads to so many more breakthroughs. Yeah. And, you know, ultimately it can lead to failure as well. But I mm -hmm. think I've learned the most in times like that. And like, you know, I've learned some of the most valuable lessons I've gained from um, jobs that I've had is like what not to do in a business, how right. not to treat people who work for you. So um, I think we learn so much from failure that it's really the only way to push forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember as a kid playing baseball, we had this, this like coach that came in for a day because he was like important at the time. I don't remember who it was, but he was like, <laughs> Yeah, I didn't. Really important. Yeah. Uh, I just remember they're making a big deal. Of, hey, we have this guy here. Oh, my gosh. Isn't that great? I'm like, awesome. I don't know who that is. I don't, I don't know who that is. But he <laughs> was like, um, I remember he said, who likes to lose? And I put my hand up. He's like, well, you're a loser. I was like, no, I'm not. Because losing just means I'm playing and I'm playing someone that's better than me. You know, I won't get better if I'm not playing oh. people that are better than me. And I remember like I had that like I just want to be. I just want to play. I want to be on the field. If I win, Why awesome. If I lose, ears, awesome. Daniel? But I remember, like, he was very angry because, like, his whole <laughs> point was to teach us to not be losers. Sort right. of thing. <laughs> you know? uh, I love it. Yeah. So uh, what I love about the the the, per, the pursuit of art as you know, uh, sustenance for life, right? Yeah. Is it we become our own like stock exchange, right? Uh, investing in ourselves, and there is great risk and there is great reward. Sometimes it's monetary. Sometimes it's emotional. Sometimes it is, you know, familial, but like we are the gamble, you know? And, and for many of us, that's the hardest thing to do, right? Is to put all that stock in yourself mm -hmm. and to like really put yourself forward and fuck to sell yourself. Yeah. Such a tough thing, especially when you graduate, like I said, from acting school and you have all these awesome skills and you've learned all these incredible tools to take you on. Ex oh, except for business. And right. Marketing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. It's man. I, I wish I wish theater school had, you know, just this one class. It was like, all right, how to believe in yourself as a marketable commodity, you know, sort of thing. Totally. 
Yeah, that that. You no, know, and I think nice. it would be great if just like all of us in life had that had that lesson, mm. art school or not. I think that's so important, and I think that's part of the reason for people not taking that leap of without the safety net. You know, mm -hmm. um, I it would be great if we were all taught to value ourselves more as human beings yeah. and to understand our personal worth because mm -hmm. I think there'd be some major changes in this country if that was the case. Yeah, I think like what. One of the things that 2020 reiterated to me was how expansive our training goes. Yeah. Um, and we are very, very well trained in a bunch of different areas, right? And one of the areas in which we are well trained is you are not more than what people around you perceive you to be, hmm. right? So the ceiling that you have right is is meant to be low so that you can you know find your cog shape and get put into this machine and then just sure. perform your function you know perform your function make sure you eat three square That's meals exciting. a day drink some coffee stay lubed up you know go out on the weekends hey it's friday live for friday That'll keep you nice and oiled up, you know, go get your drinks on Friday sort of thing. Sunday morning, have your brunch, watch your football, whatever, whatever, you know, sort of thing. So it just. Yeah, we were really just talking about that. Once you become a problem, mm -hmm. you have to be dealt with. Yeah. And you know, just just going against the grain is a problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's. It is. It, it it was an interesting year for a lot of things, but it one of the things one of my takeaways from twenty twenty was how expansive our tr our training is. You know, it was you know, and just like how yes, like the roles that we're put into and expected not to escape, like mm -hmm. you know, our little box, but like also how fucking capable we are of knocking down those walls. Like yeah. that's such a huge thing. And like the internet, like it can be a horrible place. Like it can be a horrible <laughs> place, but it can also be such an amazing supportive place and yeah. you can learn so much shit. Mm -hmm. You don't need college debt. You don't need all this other shit because we can be taught. We can teach ourselves. Mm -hmm. We have the tools yeah. as long as we can take that leap. Right. Yeah. It's, and how, how much, um, even, even if you're like, no, I need the structured coursework in order to, there are so many courses that you would find in college that you could literally just take for free online yeah, and get yeah. all the training that you need. YouTube is one of the most amazing resources for oh learning and training and all kinds of stuff. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it, it's, it, the fearfulness of not being able to quote unquote provide for your family I think is like the biggest motivating factor to remain within the confines of the perception of those around you. Right. But you know, capitalism is so crazy because then it tells you like, you have to work hard to be able to do this one thing, but like, look at all these other things you want in between. Mm -hmm. Don't you want these? Don't you want to have nice things? Not yeah. just things. You don't want to just provide. You want to like provide. Right. Yeah. Because I mean, we're all destined to be, rich one day we're like all of us are are destined to be billionaires you just have to Absolutely. work super hard work yeah super it's hard. all up to you it has nothing to do with the conditions you were born into mm -hmm. or any of the other restrictions on your life nope. you need to work harder yep just work, yeah that's work pretty much what hard. we've been spoon fed yeah um, it's interesting it's yeah. an interesting world we live in yeah. 
<laughs> you, yes. Yeah. I mean, that the, the work hard conversation is one that Stephanie and I have had uh, extensively over the last couple weeks. And the the idea that your value as a as a person, your your personal worth is uh, directly dependent on how hard you work. Now, what does that mean? Right. Does that mean that you are at your job eight to ten hours, six days a week? Is that hard work? Or right. is it, you know, all the time you spend after work trying to improve so that you can continue to climb this ladder? Is that hard work? You know, and, and all of the all of those things, you know, because if you don't work hard, then you're not very valuable. It's right? true, man. And that's what people they put so much weight into that. But the good thing is, I think some of I think that's really like a mind shift that's changing, not just generationally, because I think generationally, obviously that's starting to, we're starting to see like social security is not going to be around for us. We don't have the same, we're dealing Mm -hmm. with debt. that's just like unprecedented. So we don't have those same um, idealistic values of that anyways, but also, I mean, the pandemic is teaching us that like quality over quantity at this Mm -hmm. point. I think a lot of, a lot of people our age are starting to figure that out. I hope, I hope it seems like it. Yeah. It's, like as awful and terrible as the pandemic was, I think it's setting us up to, excuse me, it's, it's setting us up to prepare for the future in new ways that really force us to um, focus on, you know, the people around us and, you know, making our impact on like our community stronger because it's, it's, it's the community that helped people, subsist you know it's yeah like when you, when and that's you, the actual truth when you yeah. say that you're only as strong as people perceive you to be like we all need to be like there's so many ways we can help each other out without being in direct competition of one another mm-hmm. and we can be so much stronger as a unit and yeah. it's not the intention of the powers that be for yeah. us to um team up in any way or fashion as long as we stay um against one another and we're all in competition mm-hmm mine we stay in our boxes yes yes i mean because one day we might just get a cookie right (laughs) good job buddy here's your cookie oh thanks Uh thanks thanks, boss oh you know (laughs) (laughs) oh man man. so the you connected with the like what you were experiencing with the the ads and the art and all that jazz kind of calling out to you um how else did you find yourself in this story? Well, first of all, like my sister has always been um, one of, she's like my favorite sounding board. Mm. Um, so I, I really resonate with <laughs> turning to <laughs> Jess for anytime I need something or to bounce something off of her. And that's why we, I honestly think we started this company because it was like, well, this is, I talked to you about all of this stuff anyway, yeah. <laughs> so it made sense. So that was something that really resonated with me. Um, and I just like, I there was so much colorful language mm-hmm. and it just, the way that you, the way, and honestly, I think, and this is a testament to your writing, I think the thing that I related most with is the way, like I said, you paint emotion. Like mm-hmm. it, it was really beautiful, Daniel. Aww. You. Yeah, I liked it a lot. I was like, oh, I got so nervous because you told me, you know, it may it may not be a good ending, and I was like, okay, because I kept waiting to be like, and then she gets hit by a car, <laughs> and then she gets. Hit. I was like, yeah. oh no. 
No, I just like sometimes it comes out that way. By this time, um, Joe's episode went live, and I think in his, he talked about uh, dealing with depression, right? And Mm -hmm. so I wanted to make sure in his story he wasn't free from that. From beginning to end, he was dealing with it. It was was a a part of that. So I think like that is an example of how it doesn't necessarily, it's not all roses and, you know, happy and good. Um, So... Yeah, that's that's what I mean by that. And then one of the really early episodes, um, this dude, his thing was like, oh, what if we didn't break up? Right. And so I was like, OK. Uh, and then I killed her in the story. And then he had this like really drastic breakdown, you know, because I was like, I mean, what would you do if she died? You know, sort of thing. So, yeah, it's just like sometimes things happen. and I'm just like, well, let's explore the dark part of this, you know. Yeah. So. Why not? Yeah. But I'm one of the things that I'm enjoying more uh, as I'm like doing more and more of these is when people talk about uh, some of the things that they deal with, um, exploring that just so that we get, you know, a little bit of context of how that might have impacted their decision making, you know. So the idea of you being at home and drunk and watching the room spin around you and trying to hold on to the chair to make sure that, you know, you are actually standing still is an example of that. Um, Because, I mean, I know that um, a lot of times for me, when I recognize that I'm dealing with something, right, and I hear that thing, you know, or I try and explore ways around it or how to deal with it, like addressing it is cathartic to me. So Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. Writing, I'll write things down most of the time. Yeah. When I need to deal with, like, thoughts that I want to get out without actually yelling them at someone. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. Does, does that help you um, respond to people um, better? From time like, to time, it does. Yeah. yeah. It actually does. And it also, like, sometimes I just, I feel like my brain works so much faster than my mouth sometimes and my mm. thoughts just like fire off so fast yeah. that sometimes like I really have to step away from a situation mm-hmm. and um it's funny because my father is so old school about um customer service and the way you address things and he's like no no people want to call you need to talk to them and I'm like <sighs> actually I'd way rather have information and if you're gonna break something to me that's kind of shitty mm-hmm. please put it email so I can sit back and process my response. Otherwise this may not be a good conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So much prefer a warning. Um, and it's not that he, he's not a person either. That's what's Ooh. funny. Like, I don't think it gives him time to compose anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's interesting. Wow. Yeah. I remember like, and I think it, it has a lot to do with the generation of people that didn't have technology. Right. Yeah. The the live yeah. call, the live talk, the in person. You know, I remember like in my late teens and early twenties when I was out looking for work, uh, my parents would always be like, No, no, no. You just need to take a stack of of resumes and go from business to business in person and hand them. You need to shake a hand and see them. It's like Because the receptionist the is gonna be the deciding factor yeah. you're gonna get Yeah. <laughs> It's like, oh, but like, I feel like back at that point, and I've seen um, so many like skits on TikTok where it's like, however long ago, you're like, hey, I'm looking for a job. You're hired. Do you need my yeah. name? Nope. 
see you tomorrow sort of thing, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. So it's, Did it it's, ever work for you? Did you ever get a job like that? No, literally never. <laughs> literally <laughs> never. No, I like all of my jobs uh, back at that time were because of like job fairs or like postings I saw in the newspaper, like, hey, we're hiring X number of people for the holidays or whatever, whatever. Um, and I would go in that way. But it was never like I just walk in and like, hi, I'm here for a job. Great. I love the initiative. I mean, You're hired. Never. Their defense, that's that is how I got the job at the gallery. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I created it for myself, right. but I don't know if it was as um it wasn't like I was going gallery to gallery being like, oh, I'm going to be your gallery director. There right. was like, this was a very single focus. Mm-hmm. Like I, this was where I was going to work. I right. knew that I was, I knew everything about the gallery. Like I was ready for this. It mm-hmm. wasn't a cold call. So, I mean, right. I guess there's something to be said for uh meeting in person, but I think there's a lot more than just like the cold call thing is just that doesn't work anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's not- it really so much of it is about who you know and how you get in front of that person. I just happened to catch the owner of the gallery too. It's not mm-hmm. you know if I'd talked to the receptionist or the gallery coordinator, that would not have helped me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> also, because those people are usually trying to move up and don't be vying for their job. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, wait a second. What you want to be gallery director? Uh-huh. Um, I was actually working on that. So right. Right. I'll take your resume. Thank you. Mm-hmm. You know, sort of thing. That's more really important. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I just, I, I, I always love that because it seemed silly to me then. And like the technology as we know, it was in its infancy. Right. And th- my parents and I remember thinking like, oh, no, I feel like I feel like things are changing. That's not going to be the way to go. And even mm-hmm. now it is not. And like the idea of nepotism back then, even before I knew the definition of the term, I was oh, like, yeah. no, this is this is the most important part about getting a job. It is it is nepotism because you could be terrible at everything in yeah. life. But if your best friend's big brother is needs a spot filled and you don't have a job and your best friend hollers at you his big brother, then guess what? You have Do a you job. Know what's wild is I cannot tell you the amount of people who have reached out to me because they're so-and-so, their niece, their whoever is looking for a job in the arts or looking for a job in whatever. And mm-hmm. like, can, can you put in a word for them? And I'm like, can you send me a portfolio? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I honestly, like, this is my first introduction to this human. Right, I don't yeah. know. Literally, when I put in a word for you, it's going to be, I have never met this person. I am not vouching. Right. This is a name I just heard. Yeah. Because, like, how do you, how do you, that's, now you're asking me to put my name on the yeah. line for this name I yeah. just learned. Tough. And yeah. it's an interesting position that people have no problem putting you in. Yeah, I, I, one of one of my favorite things to, and I don't know, I, sometimes I think like I'm just mean, but one of my favorite <laughs> things to do when people ask me that kind of stuff is like, oh, I'm so sorry. I don't vouch for strangers, mm. you know, and that's. Well, so that's actually just direct and that's probably a much uh, less passive aggressive way to do this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Just because like they, there's so many people that I know when, when, so early on in my acting career, I, I was very fortunate and I got a bunch of stuff that was on TV and running a lot. So you saw my face on TV a lot, right? And so I would get people a lot, like reaching out to me like, hey, who's your agent? Oh my God, my nephew wants to start acting. Can you put in a word? I'm like, I, don't, I don't know your nephew. I don't know. No, right. who? No, I don't No, You know, it's literally your career. Yeah. And, and I remember there was, there was this one woman that I worked with who like her dream was to be 
a cover model in Maxim magazine, right? And I had just come from a, my talent agency at the, um, at the time was hosting uh, a runway event at the Drake Hotel. And I had gone to that and I had posted some photos from that on social media. And so this, this, this woman that I knew, she's like, Hey, you were at this, you know, runway event. Oh my gosh, that's so great. I want to be a model, blah, blah, blah. Can you get me in? And I was like, no, but you can, <laughs> I'll give you an email and you can submit like everybody else, but right. no, <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's, that's, that's usually not how modeling works. Yeah. Um, that's interesting (laughs) yeah it was it was it was it was it's it is a trip can you can you leverage your own relationships with people in order to benefit someone that i know yeah i think networking is an unbelievably powerful tool and it's Mm -hmm. something that um you know careful with those contacts guys you get one shot yeah yeah don't ask me again this was your one yeah i mean yeah and one of the things that I love to talk about with Stephanie is um, the equity, right? Equity is a currency. And so in relationships, all the things that you do for each other build up equity, right? And for the most part, we spend our equity by screaming at or like if you and I are building equity together and one of us events the other, we might spend all of the equity that we've built to mm. really like punish the other person right and because we've built that equity like we will just take it right so if i offend you and then you just like lay into me lash lash i'll just be like oh snap my bad (laughs) and not for a moment think like whoa that was like really uncalled for (laughs) wow mean you know i i'm sorry that i i hurt you in this way but wow you know i'll just like you just take you like oh man okay i see that i hurt you but now i know that you've spent, you know, and this is like all like underneath in the subconscious, but I know like, okay, all right, she has spent all of this. She's going to have to earn more to, to do that again. But I also know that I have spent because I hurt her. Okay. So let me, so in relationships yeah. like that, where you're trying to leverage, you're like, Hey, will you do this thing? Um, especially if you haven't built up the equity. So like if my very, very best friend of however many years is like, Hey man, I have this favor. Will you, uh, put in a word, I might be way more inclined to be like, well, actually, let me sit down with this person, then get to know them a little and then see how far I'm willing to extend my own, you know, the leverage my own relationships in order to vouch for them. But if you have built no equity with me, and we just know each other through social media, or we went to high school together 20 years ago, then I'm, I'm way less inclined, you know, It's true. It really is true. You know, and it's funny because that relational equity comes back to, I mean, obviously communication and really just that directness that Mm -hmm. not too many people care to apply. And also like therapy, just everybody therapy. If I can reiterate that again, (sighs) therapy helps. Yes, I agreed. Agreed. And uh, hopefully the stigma behind therapy is waning enough for people to like the older generations like hours and older to like just put your pride in your underwear drawer and and go talk about your feelings and talk about your trauma and deal with and don't use your friends as your therapists because they're they're not trained to help you cope with trauma and creating action plans to you know take the steps toward healing you know yeah it's super interesting and relationships you'll rely on relationships to do that too which is like not you know, communication is great, but 
there's a lot of problems I'm not equipped to deal with. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And especially because like, we're all going to speak from our own experiences, right? And we're, we're not in the practice of looking beyond ourselves to help people, right? We literally just say, Hey, you have this issue. It's like, uh, that, uh, is it Baden or Baden? Baden Meinhof? Baden Meinhof? Baden Meinhof. Whatever. The, where you see something brand new, right? And you're like, Oh wow, this is interesting. And then you start to see it everywhere. Mm, yeah yeah so it's it's that you discover something about yourself and then someone's like hey there's this thing you're like boosh thank you universe i know exactly how to solve your problem he's like well hold up you probably don't you know this is just something that you're dealing with that may not apply here it sounds similar but it may not apply you know so it's true and people also have a difference learning between like You're telling me something because you want me to react and like give you advice Mm -hmm. or you're telling me because you you want me to listen. Oh, no, say that again. You're telling me because Uh, it's like people have a people have a hard time discerning the difference between you're telling me something because Mm -hmm. you want some advice from me and you're looking for me to help you out with this problem or you're telling me just because you literally want someone to talk to and you just want me to listen. Yeah. And I'm not excluding myself from that category. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, that's the easiest, that's the easiest way to deal with things. Like, I just want to, I just want to talk about it, you know, because sometimes just talking about it is enough to help people cope, but the actually like getting in and dealing with stuff, that's, that's always fun. Yeah. That's always fun. Oh man. It's not. It's really not. <laughs> but it's right. so it's you gotta do the work, you know. For sure. And that's the other thing people don't get is like therapy is work. You're not yeah. just going and talking to someone mm-hmm. and you walk away and your problems are solved. I'm I'm getting sorry, I'm getting blown up. It's all good. I'm I'm always amazed by the people who think that therapy is just going in and talking to mm-hmm. somebody and like you don't have to do any work outside of that because right. therapy still work. You have yeah, to do the work sure. to like make a change. Mm-hmm. But have you met like the people who are like, oh, I've been to therapy. I'm good now. And they've been to like one or two sessions. Right? And you're yeah. like, God, who's your therapist? That's amazing. <laughs> right? Serious. I, if it only took one 30 minute session. Uh-huh. Oh, and that was just like the preliminary bit where uh-huh. you talk about what you might need to deal with and now you're better right. oh <laughs> amazing. amazing uh narcissism it was narcissism yeah done so <laughs> yeah oh man it's it's i used this example yesterday um how uh, like as people uh we spend most of our days walking through our brokenness right mm. and a lot of times what we do is we learn how to be like that lizard that can run on the water Mm. Right. And so we are literally running over and skipping over uh, our brokenness. And so sometimes all it takes is for someone to say stop and just to sink into it so we can really address some of those things. But it's like it has homework. Like there, yeah. a, there's actual homework where you have to be in it to address it, to deal and all that jazz. So it's. You really have a way with metaphors. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. That's why this podcast thing is really good for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love I love the imagery. I love the imagery. It it also helps that when I'm when I'm writing these stories, I, I do it cinematically. Yeah. In a way that I, like, okay, how can I see it and then try and describe it as as you would see it if somebody was following with a camera. Oh man. All right. Was there anything else in there that stirred up anything inside of you that you want to talk about or 
You know, it's so funny because the thing I literally, there were a couple times that I'm like, oh, where's he going to go with it? Because there were so many elements that like paired up with things that stood out in my life. Like mm -hmm. the landlord, like reminded me of Gerardo, this landlord that I had that was just like, always a trip. He was just an yeah. interesting character. Mm -hmm. And then like stepping out into the street and not realizing that I was in the street, you know, I got hit by a car. <laughs> now, um, I did not know that. <laughs> and it, I was paying attention. It mm, just okay. happened to be like an asshole driver. But I used to walk around with headphones on while I was reading a book around the city of Chicago. And I literally had a friend yell at me one day, you got to get hit by a car. <laughs> and oh shortly after... Mm -hmm. Not while reading and walking with headphones, gotcha. but um, yeah, there there are some elements that ring true for uh, from other Jenny of real Jenny too. So it was interesting, nice. and you know, I know with our our personal relationship, we know each other, but it mm -hmm. felt like you knew more about me than you maybe like than we've probably ever discussed. Mm -hmm. Like I seemed like that was news to you that I got hit by a car. Oh yeah, um, like little things, you know. Like yeah. so that it's just cool how. Um, how you struck a chord with some, some things that I didn't expect you to. Nice. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I, I try really hard to pay very close attention so that I can just make guesses about yeah. people. Sometimes, sometimes I get it right. Sometimes I don't, but it, it always feels good when I can pick things. Like, That's all right. Taking that leap. I like it. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, cool. This is fun. Oh, I'm so great. glad. Uh, I'm yeah. so glad we were able to do this. Yeah. Same. Same. I'm, I'm super happy that you were able to come on the show. I really am. This was a really good conversation and I, I enjoyed a hundred percent of this. hundred percent. Same. Yeah. Same. Right thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank you for being here. So with that, we will bring other Jenny to a close. This has been a lovely conversation with my guest, Jenny Button. And again, please follow her at, at Vine Collaborative and at Infinite Chance underscore Guatemala. Um, there she is. Thank you, Jenny, for Jenny. I'm D, and we're out. Bye.